It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know the answer. It is okay to be upset and need some space. And it's okay to be sad. And it was, um, this isn't really funny, but uh, we have a thing. I mean, I have a thing. I've named it because it's happened a couple times about uh, bathtub sobbing. So <laughs> Richard's laughing. Welcome to Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Do you love dressage? Are you looking to inspire your ride? Do you long to learn secrets of truly great riders? Yes? Then you are in the right place. Join classically trained, internationally competitive dressage rider JJ Tate as she brings inspired conversations, in-depth discussions, and a healthy dose of humor to the world of dressage. Join JJ and her new generation of classical riders in this adventure called Dressage Life. Today's episode was originally featured in JJ's online community, Team Tate TV, a private Facebook group of inspired and supportive dressage lovers just like you. If you're on Facebook, we welcome you to join the conversation there. And now, here's JJ. So, yep, sorry about yesterday. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about that later because sometimes it's okay to not be okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm sure some of you know what that means. <laughs> I won't say it here because there's a little swear word in there. Um, so I won't go into what fine stands for. But no, I'm actually much better today. And yeah, I'll just go into that um, in a minute. Tonight, I'm going to talk about cancer and dressage <laughs> because those are the two big things going on in my life right now. And, you know, we just got home from Devon which is like my favorite show of the whole entire, eh, I love it. I mean, Rolex is also pretty amazing, but I don't, I don't ride in that. I just sometimes coach there, but Rolex is pretty amazing. But Devon is such an exciting, special venue. And I, I do think it's the most similar to competing in Europe. It's really electric. Uh, the stadium, all the people. Um, it's just a big deal. And I'm so glad it was successful. It was also so great that Horse and Country had us on their live stream. It was amazing to do the commentary with Bill McMullen. That was a lot of fun. Um, I hope you guys check it out. I feel like we did a pretty good job because he's um, really good at the judging and the judge's perspective and what they're looking for. And like, I had an interesting take of what it's like to be a rider there. Um, you know, who the riders are and kind of a little bit their backstories. Um, Tanya Strasser, like, hello. I mean, who does that? That was amazing. I hope you guys saw that post I shared. Um, her mom couldn't make it. Evie, who's been to the Olympics and is a big, uh, top Canadian trainer. Um, she couldn't make it. She was in Germany, went back to Canada, could not cross the border because of COVID restrictions. So Tanya was there with the horses and they switched out in the entry form and Tanya rode her first international Grand Prix, uh, which was, which was awesome. So that was really fun to witness that and, you know, talk about, you know, really making lemonade out of lemons, like, just was great was great so Devin was amazing and um my students did great I'm so 
proud of just their performances, how they represented themselves, how they trained their horses, how they cared for their horses. If you were out there very early in the morning, there was a lot of team tate, team taters hand walking their horses around in the morning. Um, really true horsewomen. And I'm so proud of Carol and Louisa and Ashley and Siobhan. Beautiful riding, beautiful horsemanship. Made me really proud. Would you like to learn to communicate in a way that your horse can better understand? Check out Team Tate Academy, JJ's online classical dressage academy. As a member, you'll gain clarity through the USDF-accredited lesson library, monthly Zoom meetings, and twice-monthly live study groups called the Tackroom Chats. Join the community and benefit from connecting with a fun, passionate, and like-minded group of dressage lovers just like you. Be supported and empowered to make the progress you and your horse deserve, regardless of age, level, or background. Be inspired. JJ's commitment to your success shines through in every lesson and lecture. Let JJ's belief in you and your horse transfer over to every one of your rides. Visit teamtateacademy.com slash podcast today to find links to join our monthly Zoom meetings, purchase mini courses and live stream replays, and of course, join the wait list for the next open enrollment. Um, I'm probably going to do a little medley of pictures in here. Um, Ashley did the open fourth level and pre-St. George. Carol on her Dewey, um, she did the open pre-St. George. Louisa did her first CDI, which was exciting. She'd been coming to Devon, uh, I don't know, 20 years as a scribe. So it was really special for her to ride. She came for a week before and trained because she's from Texas. So it was a huge trip for her. Um, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, Siobhan finished out the weekend winning the fourth level test three. So that was really great. And um, we also stopped on the way. I didn't really share pictures of this yet because I want to do like a whole separate post. Um, little Hannah, who's not like little anymore because she's now an adult. <laughs> um, but she has my three-year-old Maria uh, CF that I bought from Nancy Halloesco. Maria is now three and Hannah is doing a super job trainer and getting her started and it's a really nice horse um she needs to keep getting a little bit bigger for me i mean i know gideon was little so i can ride 15-3 but uh she i told her she should have a growth spurt this winter when she has a couple months off um so hopefully she'll get a little taller um but hannah did a great job at the show and she's doing a super job riding and training my baby horse and I just have to give Marty Costello a shout out who, as most of you know, Marty is my short dad and we lost Wendy, uh, my short mom, Marty's wife of like, I don't know, 52 years. Like there was no Marty without Wendy and Wendy without Marty. So it was a really emotional and amazing weekend to spend with Marty. We, Richard and I stayed at Marty's house on Wednesday, drove up to Devon on Thursday, stopped back at Marty's house, uh, Sunday night, stayed over. Um, Marty came up to the horse show. Uh, and it's only been 10 months since Wendy passed away. And to be honest, um, I was really emotional, uh, to go to Wendy's house for the first time 
and not have her there and knowing that she died from cancer and now I'm dealing with cancer. It was just like, like just a lot of the feels like there was like horses on my brain and cancer on my brain and just a lot of love. There was just like so much love everywhere. That was just really amazing. Um, but I was really happy that everyone was so excited to see Marty and just really made him feel welcome. And, you know, when you're together with somebody over 50 years, like you guys are partners in crime and like the horses were always like Wendy's thing. And so it was just really special to have Marty come to the show and come to Devin. Um, no one really talks about how it feels to be the one left behind. And I was just proud of Marty's courage and inspired by him and his strength and the healing that was happening was pretty powerful. So that was great too. And um, yeah, so Devin was amazing. We had a really great tunnel, tunnel of inspiration. So I hope you guys saw that on Facebook because that was like a little brainchild we had. I'm like, you know, the most like crazy place that Devin is like walking through the tunnel and you're like, this is real. I'm going to get on and I'm at Devin, you know, especially at night when it's like so busy during the day and everybody's milling around and shopping. And then like at night, everyone is in the stands. And so you walk through this tunnel and like all the lights are just like on and you hear the generators from the lights and the warm up and it's kind of cold and it's so exciting and just the most amazing thing. Um, So I hope you guys all come next year. I hope in a way it could become like a real event for top riders because I do think it's important for our horses to see other venues and it's electric. So you don't actually have to fly across the big pond to go to a high stakes environment. You can go to Devon and it's cold and it's electric and you can kind of feel how your horse might react if you go to Europe and want to compete in the indoors or, you know, big shows, it's, it's really a special, um, feeling. So I think, um, I would love to see more people there next year and I hopefully am there next year, um, riding cause it was really hard. Ooh, it was really hard. Devin is my favorite, favorite show ever. So, um, it was hard to not ride, but I do feel like I got really inspired. And I do feel like I learned a lot from Bill. That was really fun. Uh, I've always wondered, what are those judges thinking? And I got to sit with him and we got to see like all the scores and what everyone was saying and everybody's tests. And it was, it was really cool. So not that I want to be like a commentator, but I want to be in the ring riding, but it was pretty cool. Uh, to see it from that viewpoint uh, as well. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, so back to cancer. <laughs> Horses are all good. Denali got a flying change this week. I signed Darby up for regionals. Yeah, like, it's good. Things are, but the horses are like, feeling. Pre- I feel pretty good. I'm like seven weeks out yesterday. So I feel good. I do have a little cording 
when they went up to like dig around in my armpit for my lymph nodes. Um, but yeah, I was feeling super overwhelmed yesterday. And I appreciate from all of you, like the grace and the space. Um, and I was really proud of myself for actually, you know, really communicating how I was feeling and that I put myself first. So, you know, this whole thing is like growing. Everything is full of growth. Um, and Richard's actually been really proud of me because during my six weeks of recovery, I did do a really good job of like, I did some stuff and then I put myself back on stall rest and then I would do some stuff and I put myself back on stall rest. So like I, I seemed like, yes, I did go to the gym and like, cause they didn't do anything to my legs. <laughs> so yes, I did join the gym. Yes. I got a personal trainer. Yes. I work out in my backyard. Uh, but I also like with that really feel like with anything with horses, balance is, is huge, right? Like we work on riding our horses in balance. We work on balancing them on all four feet. We work on balancing collection versus extension. We work on balancing the horse right to left, front to back, all the ways, right? We work on being balanced in our position. So we don't put unnecessary stress on their legs, you know, and then just really in life, concentrating on being balanced is also uh, really important. And, you know, for me, um, I really love the words grace and space, because when you're dealing with something, you know, difficult or traumatic or like whatever you want to call it, um, you need to give yourself space and compassion about how you're handling it, right? And um, as much as getting up every day and showing up in my best way possible is inspiring to me, and my students and my horses and all of you guys really um, motivate me to, like, you know, show up in a good way. Um, Yesterday, I just like, it really, part of it, like, just really hit me because I have to make some really important, big, huge uh, decisions, which I found very overwhelming. It started, you know, I've met now with all of my team. I had the surgery. We went aggressive, double mastectomy, direct to implants. Um, I had two lymph nodes involved. So that was like, not great news. But they still allow me to go to implants because like the whole like scientific rule is if there are four or more lymph nodes involved, you should do radiation. So I woke up. Great news. I went direct to implants. So that meant like, okay, they don't think I really need radiation, although it's not impossible to do radiation on an implant. It's just not like totally ideal because you might wreck it or you might cause it to leak. And then that's like a whole nother thing. I read about that this morning. Uh, Dr. Google is sometimes like not great, <laughs> but you know, I want to be informed. So in order for me to make big, important, you know, decisions, like I feel like I need like all the information on the table for me. So I've been reading, um, 
Dr. Susan Love's breast book. There we go. Thank you, Sally Vervet, for sending this to me. It is a Bible, and I spend a lot of time with this thing right here. So lots of information just coming out from everywhere. And a lot of people, a lot of you have shared your experiences with me, and I really am proud of you for kicking everything's AS um, and sharing. And I just like, appreciate that so much. But then it's like this process of, oh my God, like, what should I do? And like what I decide now sort of will decide the fate of my life. So those are really huge um, life-threatening decisions to be made. So that felt really overwhelming because the science tells me I technically don't need to radiate, but if I want to improve my chances, I should, right? Um, my oncotype came back low, which was awesome. Okay, so I meditated on my oncotype, which sort of is like scientific information about how my tumor most likely will behave in the future and what are my chances of a future occurrence, reoccurrence, somewhere far off from my breast. So that's important information. And it's amazing what they can, the science behind all of these things is pretty amazing. And it's made a lot of advances. Um, so that's important information. So I was meditating between 7 and 17. Freaking came back 12. Crazy, right? So meditation does work. So that's important information because we'll be circling around to that again forever for the rest of my life because it works. It cured my back, ruptured L5, and now it has cured my oncotype, which is crazy. So that's powerful stuff. That's on a, probably a whole nother podcast um, and, or wine about it Wednesday. But um, so with the science of now my oncotype, I also could pass on chemo if I wanted. But if I want to be totally sure and throw everything in the kitchen sink at it, I should do radiation and chemotherapy, but it's totally my choice. You do what you feel is right. And I'm like, yes, but I don't know about cancer. Like if you want to tell me about a bone spur and a hawk or like a weird thing in a suspensory branch or something in the eyeball or a weird little kissing spines, I'm your girl. I will have an answer for you. It will be in concrete. I will follow my gut and I will know what to do. Why? Because I have experience and I am educated and I like I have experience in those things. Like freaking breast cancer, like I don't know. You know, and everyone's like, follow your gut. And I'm like, well, my gut doesn't want to be dealing with any of this crap. Like my gut didn't want to watch the video about what a mastectomy looks like. Like I wanted to like run out of that room when they started to play the video of what that looks like. And then during it, I was like, la, 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 la. Like, I don't, I, is that what's going to happen? Like, oh Lord, you know? And then it was not that bad. And it was actually, I mean, it's not fine, but you know, it was like pretty good. I got, Feel, feeling pretty good, you know, and I feel um, it's not as bad as getting locked up in Bolivia. I will also say that. 
Because <laughs> while I was recovering, I watched that television show and I thought the double mastectomy is actually not as bad as getting locked up in Bolivia. So anyway, circling back around. I am now given this thing of here, here is your life. You can decide how you want to proceed. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. What is this breast implant illness you speak of? I don't know. What is this um, neuropathy you speak of from chemo? You know, it's just like, ah. So then I start reading all about the side effects and then I'm like freaking out. And I just don't even know. And today, I'm like a tiny bit more clear. But again, like we talked about yesterday, like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know the answer. It is okay to be upset and need some space. And it's okay to be sad. And it was, um, this isn't really funny, but uh, we have a thing. I mean, I have a thing. I've named it because it's happened a couple times about uh, bathtub sobbing. So <laughs> Richard's laughing because it's happened to me twice where like I laugh. I am like really like, I'm not like crazy emotional, but I'm just really open. Clearly I'm a sharer. Thank you for listening. Um, but I openly share. If I am looking at an ultrasound and it looks bad, I'm, I'm going to cry. Because I'm sad. I'm sad about that outcome. Then I will process my feelings. I will let them out of my body. And then we will make a good decision and go forward. So yesterday afternoon, I just, it all just like hit me. And I am feeling kind of pressure because I don't know what decision to make. And I don't even know where to get the information to make a better decision. And I feel pressure about, uh, you know, I don't, like, I don't, like not having an answer, right? Like every time a student ever asks me ever, Hey, JJ, I have a question. I'm like, I have an answer. I can help you. Tell me what you're, what, what are you wondering about? Let's talk it out. You know, this is like, I have a lot of questions and I do not know the answers and I'm not even sure who to ask the answers. And then I still just need to follow my gut about cancer. First off, I don't want cancer. So then what? I don't even want to be talking about this because it's just, ugh, you know, and I do think that's part of like my ability to bounce back is like, I'm not aligning with that. That's not who I am. I'm not JJ Tate cancer patient, you know, that, nope, mm -mm. I am not attaching myself to that because we're, you know, not going to let that like, ugh, like bring us down. It's happening and I need to deal with it and we're going to deal with it the best way. But there's just still like I'm in the mode of like information gathering, which is like overwhelming. Like then you're reading about what all could go wrong. And then I'm like, oh my, oh my God, you know? So like, I don't know, four o'clock yesterday afternoon, like I started to kind of cry and I was in my office up at the barn and then I cried a little more <laughs> and then I was like reading stuff and then like, thinking about the repercussions. And then I like just kind of could not stop crying. Like I wasn't like totally sobbing, but it was just like the overwhelm was just like coming out of my body. And then I like stopped for a while. And then like Richard came into the office because Abby was like, she's not doing her live. You should check on her. <laughs> and so Richard came in and then I like cried a little more because now we're like openly talking about it. And 
I was just like, I am just not in a great space to um, deliver anything positive. And I need to take my energy inward and like help myself. Um, Because Dr. Jenny always told me, you first need to put your own oxygen mask on in the airplane before you can assist others. They all say that. Listen, here's how you do your seatbelt. If there's a change of pressure in the cabin, put your own oxygen mask on first so you can help the person beside you. Um, So I had to put my own oxygen mask on yesterday. And I feel much better today. (laughs) And, you know, it's just not me. Everyone's always asking me, like, but, like, how are you really? And I'm like, no, really, I'm uh, I'm pretty good uh, for the most part, right? And yesterday was just bad timing. Um, And then I wasn't okay. And then I showed you guys how it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to speak up for yourself. It's okay to do what you feel is right at the time for you. Because... You know, there is something about dealing with a really serious health crisis. Um, I'm not sure if mothers ever feel this way when they're going to like give birth, which like, oh my God, you are a hero to me because the unknown is very scary to me. Um, So like having a kid would be like, you know, like crazy. Um, But you really go inside. And no one on the outside can actually help you really because it's your own personal experience and it's your own personal um, thing to overcome, right? It's like no one else can save you except yourself, you know? So it's kind of a personal thing, right? And I just needed time yesterday to feel the overwhelm and actually honestly like let the overwhelm out which for me looks like crying (laughs) that's part of my process that's how I get it out just get it out and again back to the bathtub sobbing I even gave myself some space in the tub which was honestly the first time I could like soak in the tub underwater because all my stitches like I'm I'm good so that was an interesting experience. I'm like, look, I'm in, I'm in the tub. I'm in the bubbles. Um, that felt good because I love bath time. I love candles and bath and suds and books and just thoughts. Um, so we sometimes do this thing called bathtub sobbing. First time it happened, I had to make a really, really difficult d- decision to sell one of my really sweet horses. Um, his name is Cayman and I had done a a couple of seasons at the Grand Prix and he really helped me like get back in the ring. And he's a very dear soul to my heart. And I just understood him really well. And I worried about letting him go into another situation that I was not in control of because I am a control freak. So that's like, my own thing. Um, but it like broke my heart to have to sell him. Um, even though he had so much to offer someone else, it was great for him to be able to go to a new situation and be someone else's hero and like a one top dog horse, you know? So I adore him and love him so much. And I sat in my bathtub 
and I sobbed, sobbed, sobbed. Richard came in. He felt uncomfortable brushing his teeth. And he's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, just, I, just, need, I just need to get this all out. Because um, that helps me let things go. Second time this happened, which now seems, and I will remember this forever, because at the time it felt really, really important. And now I'm like, why did that make me so upset? <laughs> and hopefully I think about that one time now about my treatments. Um, but the second time of the bathtub sobbing was when Fiji Fabergé, owned by Elizabeth Gorosco Wolf, did not qualify for the Festival of Champions. Because we had a 65.9% in all the Grand Prix we did at, at the CDIs that winter. And we needed a 66%. And I was like ranked, I think like seventh or eighth in the country. So I like, I made the top 12, but I didn't qualify because my score was like this much below where it needed to be. And I didn't know that at the time. So I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. Fiji. It's like top eight. Oh my God, that's so great. Top 10 in the country. Like, wow, it's so great. And then like, no, no, no. You are not allowed to go to the championships because your score is still not good enough. And I like freaked out. Ah, bath, bathtub sobbing. I, I like made all this crazy stuff up in my head. Oh my God. Maybe Elizabeth is going to feel like it's not worth it to keep him in training with me because I didn't make it. And we had talked about the hotel reservations and going to Lamplight and we're all so proud. And then it was like, you're not going, you're not qualified. You're not good enough. I mean, it just like, I was so upset and I thought for sure, what is this? This is going to have like repercussions on how she felt about me showing him and maybe he was going to go home and what? Turns out, two years later, we win the four-star in Wellington. So that story turned out just fine. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, so upset. I had to bathtub sob. So yesterday, I was like, okay, I'm like crying during the day, which is like very, very rare for me to like not have the horses bring me out of my doom and gloom. Um, so I just let it all just like, like land in me and process it. And that felt really heavy. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a bath and bring my Dr. Susan Love's breast book and read about radiation on implants and chemotherapy. Good, good times. So anyway, I'm reading about that. And I did not need a bathtub sob. <laughs> so I know y'all like texted me and were like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not okay, but I'm okay. Um, but I do think it's really important to remember just key points about going through things. And again, Brene Brown has a really great talk about comparative suffering and the most pressing and important thing to you 
is what you're going through. And it doesn't mean that one is more important than someone else's, one's harder than someone else's. Like everyone is on their own path and their own journey, and they are dealing with their own things, and it's all relative to them. And it's really important to them because it's their thing they're going through. And so that's just a great rule in life to just travel through with compassion and kindness to everyone. Because on July 15th, I didn't know I had cancer either, right? So I didn't know that's what was around the corner for me. Uh, I won the Grand Prix on Sunday and found out I had cancer on Tuesday. So you just don't know what people are carrying around um, and what they're dealing with. And so it's just always important to just like, why not just be a nice person? <laughs> so I think that's important to always keep that in mind of just be nice. And I think it's also important to really ask for what you need when you need it. If you need grace and space or time or understanding, say that and really honor how you're feeling and ask for what you need. Because again, like it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to keep that in and act out in a certain way and then feel shame about how you were acting. You know, like just be up ahead of it and ask for what you need. Honor yourself and step back and do what you need to do at that time. I think it was funny actually that I like gave myself a bath. Like, okay, if you need the bathtub sob about this, go ahead. And I was like, no, I'm okay now. I need to read about this because I now I really feel like I need to be more informed. Uh, and this won't be the last time. I might bathtub sob next week. I might bathtub. If I do chemo and I lose all my hair, I might bathtub sob then. I don't know. And you know what? Whatever happens, it's okay. Because it's okay to be you. And it's okay for you to feel how you feel. And it's really important you honor yourself and respect yourself. And I always think about a couple of questions, right? I, I think about number one, what does life need from me right now? Does it need courage? Do I need compassion? Do I need patience? Do I need information? Do I need knowledge? You know, like, what does that need from me right now? And I think the second question that's important to think about is, like, how do I need to show up right now? And what does that entail, right? Like, right now, I really need to show up in a way that is courageous. You know, like, all those things. I think that's just always really important. Um, what does life need from me now and what, and how do I need to show up? Uh, because also as much as we need to go inward to heal, we also need to get out of ourselves because that is this, um, purpose, right? Like we need to go in 
and, and heal and save our own selves and like fight from within. But it's also like, what is my purpose? You know, how can I serve others? Because that purpose pulls you out of that deep, dark, despair place. And it's important to not dwell down in there. I've talked a lot about how cancer is kind of like this big giant boulder that just gets like, like put on you. And it's important to feel it, feel it, really feel it. It's okay to really feel it. And it's okay to be mad or sad or scared or overwhelmed or whatever. You can bathtub sob if you want or need, (laughs) but like feel that. But then it's important that that big boulder, you can push off of you and not let it just squash all of your spirit and your fighting power and your purpose. Like we all have a purpose to be here. And it's important to search and figure out what that purpose is, because that is motivation to live in a, in a great way. And of course, as always, always just do the next right thing. So cheers to you all. Thank you so much for all of your love and support. I just love you all long time. Love you long time. And thank you for being part of my life and my journey. And I hope I'm a part of your journey too. And I will see you soon. All right. Make it a great day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dressage Life with JJ Kate. Make sure to tell your friends that they can find us wherever they get their podcasts and be sure to subscribe, like, and leave feedback to help other dressage lovers inspire their ride too. For more information and education from JJ Tate, make sure to visit teamtateacademy.com. The podcast you just listened to is produced and powered by Red Mare Enterprises, creating possibilities through branding, modern digital solutions, and project management. We know the horse industry inside and out.